0: So today I'm going to be teaching out of the book of Ezekiel. And as I mentioned, I love Ezekiel. love Ezekiel. Like where, when we adopt, there's a son we're adopting in September, and that was the name we prayed about for a long time was Ezekiel. Um, not only was Ezekiel very intelligent, he was an intellectual. Uh, he was super intense and a radical prophet. Um, Ezekiel does crazy things for Yahweh, and he doesn't care what it makes him look like. He just obeys. No matter what God says to do, he does it. The stories we read about him kind of as you go through the book of Ezekiel, you're like, seriously? Like, did he really do that? Um, There's one part where God says, take a brick and draw the city of Jerusalem on it, lay it on the ground, and then set up a whole, like, diorama around it with ramps and little tents and, like, you'd go to the museum and see, and then lay siege against the brick. Because that's what I'm... And he does it. He, in front of, just in the middle of the city, lays down a brick and pretends to attack it with little tents and ramparts and the, the whole thing. Um, on another, in another time, God says, Take a sharp sword, cut off all your hair and your beard break it into thirds, and walk around the city throwing your hair in the air and then swiping at it with your sword. And he does it. And then God will say, because thus will happen to the people of Israel, right? Or just scatter it in the wind and let everybody see, because thus will happen, they will be scattered. A third will fall by the sword. Hem some into your robe, you know, and he just sews it into his robe like he does whatever God tells him to do. At one point, I think God says, lie on on your left side for 390 days because for each of the years that Judah has been in sin, they're going to represent those by lying on your side and only eating a certain type of grain, which now we know is Ezekiel bread, where you can buy it like Whole Foods. It's kind of, that's where it comes from. So Ezekiel was doing these strange, like living illustrations communicating God's judgment on Israel. Because God was fed up with what was going on there. So I just love him because he's just like, ugh, whatever, I'm going to do it, Lord. You know, it's awesome. So I'm going to back up just a little bit. Ezekiel was from a priestly family. And what that means is when Ezekiel turns 30, he becomes eligible to become a priest where he would just spend his life in service to Yahweh in the temple. But things didn't turn out the way that tradition had kind of all but promised that they would. Ezekiel doesn't turn 30 in Jerusalem. Ezekiel turns 30 in Babylon. He had been included in a group of about 10,000 Jews that were taken captive and exiled to Babylon under Nebuchadnezzar. So he would never see Jerusalem or the temple again. Before this attack on Jerusalem by Nebuchadnezzar, it had been quiet in Judah. But not like, and Judah is where Jerusalem is. It wasn't a quiet, like everything's peaceful and everybody's doing good quiet. It was more of a denial kind of quiet. There were false prophets that were saying, everything is good. God is pleased. Peace, peace in the land. There's going to be peace in the land and it's all wonderful. You don't have to worry about a thing loved it. They loved it so much they continued on in their sin. And I'm not talking just like little, you know, little things. Their, Their sin was like crazy. They didn't just neglect God. There was bloodshed, injustice, idolatry, sexual sin, even in the temple, child sacrifice, worshiping the sun, the stars, witchcraft, just debauchery. And that was Judah. That was God's people in and around the temple. Their sin was so dark. Good guys, we're good. Just keep going about your business. We're got peace is coming. Only one voice disturbed that peace and that was the voice of Jeremiah, where we get the book of Jeremiah. Jeremiah has been called the weeping prophet for two reasons. One, he didn't want to do the role that he was doing. He didn't want to be the one voice Speaking truth when all the other prophets were just saying what everybody wanted to hear, right? He told them what they wanted to hear. Jeremiah would only say what God told him to say. He was also called the weeping prophet, prophet because people didn't like him. And so he, they would put him in stocks, you know? Or they would throw him down in the box they did not have to listen to him. They kept shoving him out because there's a cost to speaking truth. There's a cost to, to being the one fish going upstream. Right now, it's not popular to say that R-rated movies with sex, nudity, demonic themes, and 120... to be. It's dishonoring to God. It compromises holiness, which as we're going to learn in Ezekiel, God is all about our holiness... Compromises holiness for entertainment. It's not popular to say that. It's not popular that your kids shouldn't be seeing movies with gore, violence, and a bunch of cussing. Movies made for grown-ups because our job is to protect them and keep them walking in holiness as best we can. It's not popular, and this is going to get a lot of y'all, all, all, you know, you're going to be in a rut. Um, It is not popular to say yoga is not good for Christians. It just isn't. And I have no problem saying that and I have no problem backing it up anytime with the roots in Hinduism and Buddhism and what it was for and you can't Christianize it. You just can't. But I'm gonna keep saying those things because I believe they're truth and I believe that's what the Lord has shown me and I believe God does not want us to compromise holiness, does not wanna compromise our loyalty to him. But everyone wants to hear that what they're doing is fine. And tolerance is kind of the buzzword right now, which is what was going on then. But we're supposed to be light in a dark world, which means some things we just have to say no to. So whether or not people like me for the things that I say. I told my husband when we got married. I said, look, I feel like the Lord's called me sometimes to say things that not everybody wants to hear. And people aren't going to like me. So you okay with that? You know? And he was like, I got your back. But... It's, it's really, and honestly, I've always felt like the Lord was like, you're Ezekiel. You're going to be saying things people don't want to hear. And I'm like, okay, just help me when I do that. Um, so, okay, so when Ezekiel turned 30, his birthday, you know, it wasn't like, happy birthday, Zeke. There was no party for him. He wasn't around his family. He was in the land of Chaldeans by a river. And he turns 30. There's no temple. There's no Jerusalem. There's no moving him into the priesthood with pomp and circumstance. There's none of that but while he's there he has a vision and it says he saw the heavens opened up and the hand of Yahweh came upon him ezekiel actually was going to be anointed and appointed for the priesthood that very day he just it just wasn't how he expected and when it says the the heavens opened It means he was watching a heavenly scene. It was a heavenly vision. And he says, As I looked, behold, a storm wind was coming from the north, a great cloud with fire flashing forth continually and a bright light around it, and in its midst something like a glowing metal in the midst of fire. In this first vision, Ezekiel sees what has come to be known in Scripture as a storm theophany. Isn't that an awesome word? I love scholars. We're gonna call this a storm theophany. A theophany is really just a God manifestation. That's what, that's what that means. A storm theophany, when it's in scripture, it's usually symbolic of the help given by Yahweh to his people. Or it usually represents coming to his people's aid against the enemies. So you like to see it on its way. Um, however, in this instance, of God coming in a storm theophany, Israel's actually his target. Israel's actually the victim of God coming in this storm. And this is what Ezekiel sees. And much of the book of Ezekiel is dedicated to God's judgments and punishments toward a very sinful and very perverse nation. (coughs) Throughout the book, Ezekiel is the guy nobody wants to be around obviously. Um, his job is pretty much to speak judgment and calamity 24-7. He'll point out what you're doing wrong, and then he'll do some fancy thing and then say, thus says the Lord, this is what's going to happen to you. He's not the guy you invite to your little kid's birthday party or your wine tasting. It's like, uh, I'm going to take Ezekiel off the list. You know, he's kind of a downer, and and he was. It was all doom and gloom, like literally from Ezekiel was a messenger of merciless, inescapable judgment for a sinful people. God had just been pushed too far. Any moms of young kids where you get to that place and you're like, you know what, I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. I mean, I think one time I said to my kids, I just don't have the mental whatever for what is happening here. It's just like, I'm just going to go upstairs. Mommy time is happening, you know. You just, you just reach a place where you're like, you know what, I'm done. And God was like, you know what, you guys, I'm done. I went after your enemies, now I'm just going to come after you. Because this has got to stop. And the exiles, you know, weren't listening to Ezekiel. We find out through Ezekiel's revelations what was wrong in Jerusalem. What had just pushed God over the edge. In these revelations, he focuses uniquely on Israel as the holy people of the holy temple in the holy city in the holy land. And so you see a theme there. It's all about holy, holy. And being holy means being consecrated to God, set apart for God. And by defiling her worship, Israel had rendered herself unclean and defiled the temple, city, and land, leaving God really only one option. He couldn't be near such defilement. He could only withdraw. And then he brought judgment on his people with a lot of destruction, which seems kind of harsh. You might think that's simple. I mean, could it have been that bad, Lord? Like, why is that so harsh? Well, at one point, Ezekiel has a vision where he's picked up by his hair, I don't know if this was, this must have been before he shaved it all off with the sharp sword, I don't know. He's picked up by his hair in Babylon and shown the sin that's taking place in Jerusalem, just so he can see what's going on. And he's given a tour of the temple, where he's shown this seat of the image of jealousy, is what the text says, meaning there's an image there that has provoked Yahweh to great jealousy. And the image which provoked Yahweh to jealousy was most likely an obscene statue or image dedicated to Baal or Asherah in the temple. This demonstrated the nation's open tolerance of sexual perversity and immorality, not to mention child sacrifice, because Baal and Asherah were were worshipped with child sacrifice and orgies and all sorts of stuff. And this was going on in and around God's temple, where everything's supposed to be holy and set aside for him. They say the pillars of Baal in the Old Testament were even carved like phallic symbols, like it was that just in your face with perversity. This is in the temple where only things that were holy to reside. They had become so low and so degenerate. Even the elders, he takes them in. He says, "Carve, go dig through this wall. I'm going to show you what the elders are doing. So he shows him 70 elders hidden in their rooms with pictures of beasts and idols and things carved into the wall, worshiping them. He says, have you seen what the elders of the house of Israel are doing in the dark? Every man in his room of pictures. This is what Yahweh says. For they say, the Lord does not see us. The Lord has forsaken the land." So there was this secret world of idolatry and fantasy and lust, and it was all hidden from the public view, which really just reflected the condition of the hearts of the people. This is why God is so mad and so jealous and so done. Our text this morning comes from a vision in the more hopeful section of the book. You're welcome for that thought you might like that. Ezekiel 37 is found in the last 15 chapters of the book. And as you can see, Ezekiel gets called, and then God's glory departs, and there's judgment on Judah, and then judgment of the nations, and then we get to where we're going to be, and it's restoration of God's people. It's when all the discipline and judgment and all the consequences have happened, and he comes around now to gather them. That's even after the temple has been destroyed. Eventually, the temple was destroyed as punishment, and the temple was like their heart for a long time. So I'm going to read of some verses out of Ezekiel chapter 37, and I'm actually going to read it out of my commentary because I like how they translated the text. Um, in the commentary, they'll go; they'll just take it straight from the original, like normal, like normal interpretations. But, um, but uh, I liked this one, so I'm going to read this, and I'm going to read uh, one through fourteen. So this is his vision. I felt the pressure of Yahweh's hand, and I'm going to say Yahweh because that's how Ezekiel said it, and that's how this translated it because it's capital L-O-R-D, and Ezekiel actually used the word Yahweh. That's what he called him, and I think it gives it a a neat, um, just sort of a powerful picture when we're reading it exactly like how, how Ezekiel said it. I felt the pressure of Yahweh's hand, and he used his own spirit to carry me off eventually setting me down in the middle of the plain, which was filled with bones. He took me on a complete tour of them, and I noticed that there were a great many of them strewn over the plain, and also that they were extremely dry. He asked me, Human one, can these bones come back to life? Lord, Yahweh, You alone know. He told me to prophesy over the bones that were there and tell them dry bones, listen to Yahweh's pronouncement. Here is Yahweh's message to these bones I am going to fill you with breath, and you will come back to life. I will put sinews upon you, I will make flesh form over you, and then cover you with skin. Then I will fill you with breath, and you will come back to life and realize that I am Yahweh. I prophesied as I had been ordered, and as I did so, I heard a rattling. And the bones joined themselves together in their proper order. Before my very eyes, sinews appeared on them, flesh formed, and a top layer of skin covered them. But there was no breath in them. He told me to prophesy to the wind, to the Spirit. Prophesy, human one, and tell the Spirit that the Lord's bidding is to come from the four winds and breathe into these corpses that are victims of carnage, enabling them to come back to life. So I prophesied as he ordered me, and the Spirit entered them, and they came back to life. And Human one, These bones represent the whole community of Israel, who in fact have been saying, our bones are dried out, our hope has perished. We are cut off. So prophesy and tell them this message from Yahweh. I am going to open your graves and raise you from those graves of yours and take you home to the land of Israel you will realize that i am yahweh when i do open your graves and raise you from those graves of yours i will fill you with my spirit so that you come back to life and i will settle you in your own land then you will realize that i yahweh have made a promise that i will keep so this is a vision of hope the house of israel is being reminded of who they are and whose they are. After the darkness of the old age with its radical sin and punishment, a new age is coming. In this vision, Yahweh takes Ezekiel on a tour of a valley full of extremely dry bones. Some some translations say he walks him in and out of them just to get a real good picture that these are really, really dry bones. There was no doubt that they were beyond resuscitation and beyond repair. And it made me think, how would you like to be marched around your hopeless failures? A reminder of how dead and beyond hope everything is. Dead is dead, right? There's no in between. They had long since rotted away. There was no way for that to come back to life. There was no way for anything good to come out of this dry valley of bones. So what would you picture here? What is that valley of beyond hope, dry bones? And I know a lot of you had one, because when I was praying for this last night, I felt like the Lord said, some women were going to come in here heavy, and they were going to need to hear this message. Okay. So when you think about it, what do you picture? The bones, everything's rotted away. There's no chance anymore. It might be your marriage. A dream of having a family or a relationship that's just too far gone. Clearly, those bones can't live. God is asking a ridiculous question. Can these bones live? No. Look at them. They don't have sinews, which is the fiber that holds everything together, the bone to the bone and the muscle to the bone. and It doesn't have that. There's no organs. There's no skin. There's no breath. Clearly, these bones cannot live. Clearly, they're dead beyond repair. They're extremely dry. They couldn't be more dead. They weren't even corpses like Lazarus. Like, come forth. They were just dry bones. I love how Yahweh calls him the human one. Human one, can these bones live? Well, the human one's gonna be like, no. But it's like versus the holy miracle working one. Human one can these bones live? Well, the holy miracle one, no, miracle working one knows what can happen. What is he really asking with that? He's asking, can your circumstances be reversed? Can your circumstances actually be changed? Even when it's dry bones and beyond repair in our mind's eye and our human perspective? When God asks him, can these bones live? Ezekiel says, Yahweh, you alone know. And I want you to find peace in this this morning. In fact, I want everybody to close your eyes. What is causing you anxiety, fear, stress, doubt when everything is falling apart? Think of that thing that is just draining you. That thing that just, you just don't think it can ever be resurrected. A dream, a relationship, a career, a ministry, a calling, a gifting. And then we're going to say the words out loud. Yahweh, you alone know. Okay, so I'm going to count to three and we're going to say those words. One, two, three. Yahweh, you alone know. He knows. He knows what can be brought back to life in your life. He knows what can be resurrected. He knows what can be brought back together. He knows. So God tells the human one to prophesy over these dry bones. He tells the human to say, dry bones, hear the word of Yahweh. Breath to enter you that you may come back to life. He speaks to the bones. Here's what Yahweh says you're going to come back to life. Some of you here today need to prophesy over your dead dreams and your areas of hopelessness. Dry bones, my God, will cause breath to enter you, will cause you to rise back to life, will fill you with his spirit. Someone here needs to speak this over their marriage every day. There's somebody whose marriage here this morning is headed toward divorce if things don't turn around. And so you need to be speaking life into that. Speak warfare, speak breath, speak life, speak hope, speak change over your marriage. God loves to enlist his human ones. Do you notice he didn't just do it all? He enlisted Ezekiel. He'll use us. He loves to equip us with authority and power and teach us how to get things done, empowered by his spirit. When we speak out the words of God, they have power. They do. We've been given authority to use them. And as Ezekiel begins to prophesy, bones begin skittering across the plain to find their match. Now, the human adult body has 206 bones. So there are hundreds of thousands of bones that are clattering around fighting each skeleton as they get put together by an invisible power. Yahweh is beginning to do the impossible. And Ezekiel's just standing there. Yahweh's doing the impossible. Our God can do the impossible. Ezekiel hears it in the distance, the clattering beginning to happen. And then he begins to see it with his own eyes. Nothing is impossible for God. Nothing is impossible for God. If there's anything that I can, you will leave with today after hearing this, it's nothing is impossible for God. Not only can he create life, he can bring back to life, he can restore life because he's God. So Ezekiel could hear the clattering in the distance. And I'm going to ask some of you can you hear it this morning? Even right this minute. That situation that's keeping you awake at night, even last night you laid awake, eyes open, couldn't sleep, worrying, stressing, anxiety, eating at you. God is beginning to do the impossible. Keep your eyes open, keep your ears attuned to hear the rattling of God beginning to restore things in your life. That is the message he wanted me to bring this morning to you ladies. Listen, he's going to begin to restore those things in your life. Things that to a human mind are beyond restoring, are beyond healing, are beyond help, but they are not beyond God. And you'll begin to feel, see, and hear him moving. Ezekiel prophesied as he was commanded. There was a lot of noise as the bones rattled and came together, and then the sinews, and then the flesh, and then the skin. But there was no breath. This step required a whole new prophecy to get the breath into them. Two miracles were necessary. It's not always one step like with Lazarus. Lazarus, come forth. Sometimes God's deliverance takes a couple steps. Sometimes, like with Naaman, dipped seven times in the Jordan. Or the time Elisha stretched himself across a young child who had died and got up and the child was still dead. Stretched himself across a second time and got up and the child came back to life. Sometimes it requires patience and trust as we wait and see God move. So this army but it was a dead, useless army. They were literally corpses laying all over the ground. I don't know what would freak me out more, a valley of dry bones or a valley of corpses, probably the corpses. Um, So it's just hundreds of corpses laying on this plain. This is a picture of the church without the Holy Spirit, in my opinion. Um, A powerless army. The church is useless without the Spirit's power, gifting, and direction. So we have what could be an army out there, but they're useless because they haven't been given the breath. They haven't been given the Spirit. So always be asking, Holy Spirit, fill me up. Fill my church. We need the Holy Spirit is how we move and do and become who God has called us to be. So Yahweh told Ezekiel, prophesy to the wind or Spirit. The word is ruach. It can be Spirit or wind. And he says, prophesy and tell the spirit what the Lord's bidding is. And here it is. Come from the four winds, breathe into these corpses, enabling them to come back to life. He just commands it. So I did, and the spirit entered them and they came back to life and got to their feet. An enormous army. I wanna point out a cool play on words here. Earlier when, and the slide got a little bit messed up, but earlier when I was talking about the very dry bones, the word for very is meod, which that's meod, and that's the word for very, okay? The bones were very dry. After God breathes life into those bones and they have been touched by their creator, they become an enormous army. And it literally says, where it said very dry bones, it says a very, very great army. It put it in twice for how great the army was. The army was so great that the word me'od was used twice in a row. When God touches our areas of brokenness and hopelessness, or when we speak his life and truth into those areas, they are transformed. Things that were once very bleak and very dead become very, very much alive and filled with hope. And I was telling my husband this and he said, they surpassed their dryness with their greatness. And I was like, yeah, that's exactly what happened. Their their hope-filled season far surpassed their dry season. Where Ezekiel sees bones, God sees an army. He sees things that are not as though they were. People are going to enter your life and they're going to see your situation and they're going to think that's what you are. Just what they see right then in that moment. That's as far as they can see. But they don't know what God's about to do. They don't know what God's about to bring into your life. God sees what you're going to be and what he's going to do in your life he has the vision to see it all so then the vision is explained in verse 11 these bones represent the community of Israel who have been saying our bones are dried out our hope has perished the vision is grown out of the lament of the exiles their hope had dried up long ago the time of exile was about 70 years that they were away from their home away from the temple the crisis of exile had left them with no hope and cut off the loss of hope is a powerful force I've been in seasons in my life where hope just is not present and when you are in that place where you can no longer tap into any hope you just want to lay down and never wake up you just don't even have the energy to get up. Depression, loss, a busy schedule can cause you to just lay there and lose hope. And then you become like dry bones with no life. Can anybody relate to that? but just as the loss of hope is a powerful force, so is the hope when it is found. When you have hope, you feel unstoppable. Or at least you can fully rely on the God that you know is unstoppable. So speak hope into your circumstances. I speak hope into this in Jesus' name. Bless the Lord, O my soul. I'm going to praise him in this despair or in this confusion. And God responds to them in verse 12. He gives them a message. He says, give them this message to Ezekiel. I am going to open your graves and raise you from those graves of yours and take you home to the land of Israel. Now this next part is for somebody here. I don't know who it is. I'm going to read it twice. So open your heart and take it in. I will fill you with my spirit so that you come back to life and I will settle you in your own land. Then you will realize that I, Yahweh, have made a promise that I will keep. I'm going to read it one more time. I will fill you with my spirit so that you come back to life and I will settle you in your own land then you will realize that i have made a promise that i will keep the experience of the exile has been like a graveyard to the people of israel to live again means a return to their homeland so a new exodus is proclaimed a return to the land symbolizes this return to fellowship with god a return to hope this message was all about hope What stage is your hope in today? Everything going on in the world, things going on in your family, in your own family unit, external family. What stage is your hope in today, right now? Is it full of the Spirit and inspiring your faith and motivating you to keep going? Or is it kind of like those bones just feeling dry? What has left you with no hope and cut off? What has left you in that place? God can enter in to that place. And he will open your grave. He will give you life. He will place you where you belong. And he will put his spirit in you. Remember, too, that God didn't just do it. He told Ezekiel to pray. He told Ezekiel to use his name and authority and to speak things into being. When we're dry or we lose hope, we cannot be passive, even though that's what you want to do. When you lose hope, you really just want to lay there and not do anything. But we can't just sit and waste away. We can't just sit and let life happen to us. We can't just sit and let the enemy do whatever he wants with us because we're just too tired and hopeless to move. I've been there. I've been there. But sometimes we have to fight for our joy and we have to speak life into the dark places using our words, anointed by the Holy Spirit. So even when you're, it's too hard to fight because you're too tired, you're too weary, you're ignorant of what the enemy is doing, We have to stand up and say, no more, I'm gonna speak life. I'm gonna speak life, I'm gonna speak hope into that situation, I'm gonna speak hope into my heart in Jesus' name. I'm gonna speak restoration into that situation in Jesus' name. Some of us here this morning feel like the bones, right? But some are Ezekiel. That's why the body works so well. When I started working on this weeks ago, I was in the Valley of the Bones. Things were going on in, our, in some of our circumstances that felt very hopeless. I was, felt like I'd just been beaten and beaten and beaten for several days, emotionally, spiritually. My hope was just battered. And um, I'd lost my fight. I just couldn't fight. And I sat in a coffee shop like this, because it had been several days that my eyes were watering, and I, I got in touch with my Ezekiel friends. And I said, I cannot fight. I need you to pray for this and speak hope. And that's what they did. And then I grabbed my husband. I need you to do battle for me, because I just am, I can't fight. I feel so tired of fighting. Grab those Ezekiel women and ask them to speak life into you and to speak hope. And then I'm getting texts with, this is the scripture I'm praying over you today, and this is how I'm praying for you today, and you got this, and just encouragement and encouragement, speaking life that I so desperately needed. And then I was able to speak life into my own soul, speak wind into my sails, hope into my heart, and I stopped letting Satan rob me of my joy and my trust, start speaking scriptures out, saying, no, I've put some verses on your handout that can be helpful to speak out in. um, This morning can be a time of breakthrough for you, if that's where you're at. A time to speak life to those hopeless, dying areas in your life so that you can see change. If your life right now feels like pieces of a puzzle that was all complete and then fell, now they're just everywhere, and you just don't even know where to begin, there's a piece under the couch, like you just don't even know how to begin to collect it all, you can speak out. Come together in Jesus' name. Holy Spirit, come Bring those pieces together. Speak life and hope into that circumstance. Speak God's word. Where we see dry bones and death and no return, God sees hope. We see a valley of skeletons, God sees an army. And that is his message of hope. When we um, go into discussion time, there's a there's an area where I say, what are your go-to scriptures? When you are just beaten down and you're like, this is the scripture I'm going to speak out. Have someone from your table come up and just write them up here. It doesn't have to be the whole verse. It can just be the chapter verse. Because then I will put them all in a document or put them up on Facebook or email them or put them, do the big email out or something. So we can have our own stockade of scriptures that when we are feeling hopeless, that we have verses that we can go to and speak out. Let's pray. God, I thank you for your word because it is alive and it meets us so often right where we are at. And Lord, I believe that you've shown me that there are a lot of women here this morning whose hope is just bruised and battered. It's like on that wrestling mat where the referee is, you know, counting down until the match has been won and hope is back. But I believe that you led me to teach on this because you are saying that is not the case that you are able to resuscitate and restore hope, even hope that is dry bones, dreams that are dry bones, marriages that are dry bones, relationships that are dry bones, dreams of a family of children that are dry bones, that you can speak life into those bones and we can speak life into those bones. I just break off depression over this group in Jesus' name. I just come against the spirit of depression in Jesus' name and I say no more. I just break it off and I ask Holy Spirit that women here struggling with depression would even now feel a lightness come over them. And there's a tiredness and a heaviness and I just ask Lord Jesus that you would lift those burdens off. You be our burden bearer, I you would take off that tiredness, a heaviness that has been plaguing some of these women for weeks and they don't even know why. I pray, I speak life into those women. I speak life into their bodies and into their souls. God, we ask that you would restore the, the, and mend the broken places. The broken places that feel like they cannot be mended. Holy Spirit, move in this room and begin to mend and restore broken areas that have been brought here this morning. God, we listen for the clattering of the bones to know you are doing something impossible, and you are doing something only you can. I just, I prophesy restoration over this group. Restoration of lost things, restoration of broken things. I speak hope, 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 and new chapters and new life for these women. We praise you, God. All glory to you. And Yahweh, only you know what is coming. But we can rest assured because it's you and we can trust you. We just bless your holy name, God. Amen.